Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. I am thrilled to introduce my special guest and dear friend on this episode, Dr. Araya Naruzi. Dr. Araya has a PhD in psychology with a focus on mindfulness. She is a certified life coach, mindful living, conscious parenting speaker, and conscious teaching and corporate mindfulness trainer. She combines science with heart-based tools to create a transformation and tangible impact for her clients. She is endorsed by Dr. Shafali Sabari, the founder of Conscious Parenting and Oprah's favorite parenting expert. Araya, I'm so excited that you're here today for this incredible episode. Hi, I feel blessed to be here. Thank you. So I'd love to start by having you tell us a little bit about what the combination of science and heart-based tools look like. Can you share a few of the tools that work in this beautiful combination? Of course. So um, the way I work with my clients, very intuitive. I have um, a variety of um, science-based concepts and tools that I use. Um, such as uh, CBT or cognitive behavior therapy. I use NLP, neuro linguistic programming. But at the same time, I really connect on the heart level and uh, see what my client and I need um, at this time to uh, for the words to be articulated in that point of time so they have uh, tremendous amounts of effect um, on their psyche and on their soul. Um, as well as their brain. Um, so I, um, whatever I, uh, um, I use, very science-based or experience-based. Um, so um, it's, it's kind of an integrative um, uh, you know, uh, approach. Um, they're client-centered, uh, client-centered and very heart-based um, when I uh, work with my clients or students. Beautiful. And- to have that beautiful combination where the heart and the tangible tools come into play is such a benefit to help people really move forward in connecting to their themselves. And that's the key element, right? Is that they're able to connect to themselves and see things internally that may not be seen without these tools. Correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the science comes with, um, uh, comes um, in the scenario because we want to kind of give, um, banana to the monkey mind and um, to, to the ego. When we have science-based evidence and concepts, uh, when I say, for example, your thoughts create your feelings and your feelings create, uh, they lead to your behavior and behavior lead to results. This is science-based. This is um, uh, scientific psychology. So the ego will think, okay, maybe I just, just, I should just sit aside and the fight or flight system will say, maybe should, I should just sit aside and listen to this lady because this lady is telling me whatever thought I have is going to create, has the potential to create a feeling. 
Um, so let me just, you know, set aside here because ego likes to really vibrate on fear all the time. So when we um, scientifically, we know that our thoughts have powers really. So we, um, we are more um, vigilant about them. So we choose them better. So that's the science part. But when, when the science, science is there and the ego has something to work with, then we come in with our heart because uh, the heart comes when uh, we have to apply these scientific methods and tools on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. And really, we need our heart. So we, uh, that is how we um, kind of deep breathing and connecting to the heart. One of the tools I use to connect your heart is actually to put both hands, one hand on your heart and your spiritual heart, which is the middle uh, of your uh, chest, and just deep breathe to that heart. And really, sometimes, just ask ourselves what can I do at this time so it is for my higher purpose and the higher purpose of the humanity or for example my children when they're around me so I do believe that heart um, knows all and has all the wisdom and this is not all only my belief it's actually scientific um, the, the Institute of Heart Math uh, studies the heart and they have done this beautiful experiment really spooky experiment where uh where um the these um subjects or um individuals were connected their heart uh, heartbeat was connected to uh measurement tools and they were seeing these um kind of random pictures some of them were really um, you know, really gruesome pictures, such as, um, you know, bloody pictures or really scary pictures. Some of them were nice pictures and calm pictures. And they were actually asked to click on a link when they feel, um, you know, um, you know, that when they feel icky or when they have that uh, scary feeling of the, or bad feeling about the picture. The experiment showed that the heart, heartbeat got, um, uh, elevated five seconds before that person actually clicked the button. So the heart knew what the picture uh, was before even the person saw the picture. So our heart knows all, and that's how uh, by giving scientific concepts and tools, I empower the, the clients to say, okay, this at least get you started. But then along the way, I will assure them that they know everything they know everything they need to know in the moment it's just a matter of pausing and uh, dismantling the fight or flight system which is usually uh, run by fear and uh, just put them aside and then connect to the heart and simply ask ourselves like allow five seconds what do i do at this time in order to elevate the consciousness of me and my child and the, the, the humanity as a collect Beautiful. That's so beautiful. And I, I think, as you know, I'm a big fan of the heart knows all and really being able to focus on working with ourselves from, from, from the heart space in terms of breathing and practicing the hands on the heart as a way to really create that connection, that deeper connection to relieve ourselves from some of the heavy feelings, behaviors, and, you know, and, and thoughts that come to our mind from a normal, you know, a, nor a sense of normalcy. So it leads me to think of my next question, which is really about mindfulness, because I think it's such an important practice and such an important teaching that we do 
in this world to bring mindfulness to life for individuals, for parents, for couples, to really help move people forward in a way that takes the present moment awareness into account. And so for those that aren't familiar that are listening to this episode, I wonder if you could share a few things about mindfulness and then a few tools that you utilize in your work that can be useful to live a more mindful life. Of course. So the definition of mindfulness in academia is this, non-judgmental acceptance of the present moment experience. And this is easier said than done. That's why uh, we really need to practice. And why do we need to practice this? Why, uh, um, why do we need to be adamant about rewiring our brain for mindfulness because our brain is actually wired for mind wandering mm-hmm. which means um like we are we are barely in the present moment barely like if we, we are in, in like maybe when we are watching a sunset or a sunrise that's the moment of awe that will anchor us with, to say wow look at that really see that sun but the rest of the time even if you're i don't know we're strolling in this beautiful scenery there, there's very little chance, very little moments that we are actually attentively looking at our surroundings and smelling the flowers, really uh, hearing the birds, because we are constantly thinking unconscious thoughts. We have, um, there, 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 there are many uh, you know, variations of this, but we have, a, on average, we have 50,000 thoughts a day. Uh, that are mainly actually fear-based and mainly about the past, uh, regrets about the past or the worries about the future. So we are barely, our brain is wired for that. We are barely in the present moment experience. Now, uh, when we use the present moment experience, such as even like eating or drinking, when we pay close attention to drinking, a, I don't know, a cup of tea, really taste the food in our mouth. Are we tasting it at the tip of the tongue? Are we tasting it at the sides of the tongue? When we place, uh, you know, pay close attention to these experiences, our working memory is very limited. That's why our whole brain will be devoted to that experience. And is there a bad or a good or a suffering or, I don't know, even um, a lot of ecstasy in drinking tea? No, it's just drinking tea. It's an experience, right? So that's why we... um, mindfulness has been said in the academia because I've my my thesis my dissertation was in mindfulness actually this was written in in academia that mindfulness is the end of suffering so if we pull our attention to the present moment experience if we if I just look at a pen with close attention and see okay what color it is or where did it come from or you know wow this this is this this is an amazing I don't know invention or something when I'm paying close attention to this pen, then my thoughts are kind of dismantled. I will not go to the past for the, you know, for the regrets and I will not go to the future for the worries. Therefore, I'm happy. So this becomes um, kind of a um, lifestyle for us. The more we do this, the more our brain learns to do this. So mindfulness becomes a muscle that needs to be uh, strengthened 
right? So it's not it's nothing um, that is readily available to us. Our children are, are their masters at this, especially up until six and then up until 12 because of their brain wave frequency. They're very low. They're practically in hypnosis. They're always in the present moment attention. They're past their they're, you know, they're feeling so quickly. When a child cries, next moment he's happy, but we are carrying that, um, you know, ickiness with us because we are not in the present moment experience. So that's why this um, mindfulness becomes a regimen, becomes a practice for us to kind of rewire our brain from mind wandering those 50,000 thoughts a day to more of experiences and go between the thoughts because thoughts create suffering and they're either we're either you know kind of ruminating about the past or we're worrying and having fear uh, about the future event but um, so when we come to the moment and even even if we are in pain even if we have a toothache if you pay attention to the pain research shows that even the pain the physical pain will subside because we're merely paying close attention to that pain so that's why uh, this becomes a habit um, that there's this um, YouTube video that this monk talks about meditation and he says you know what we just need a Get, we, we just need to give a banana to the monkey mind. What is that banana? Sometimes it's our breath. We just pay close attention to our breath under our nostrils or in our chest or use the present moment experience, such as, I don't know, looking at a tree, eating a food. So these become the bananas mm -hmm. to our monkey mind to pull ourselves to the present moment experience so we can dismantle those thoughts from the past and the future and therefore become happy. Or happier. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think, you know, being a, a mindfulness educator myself and trying to practice mindfulness each and every day as we all do our very best to, you know, to live in the present moment, um, I have to agree with you that it is much easier in the uh, experience of looking at a sunrise or sunset, which is one of my favorite things to do to actually be in awe, to be in that moment so beautifully because we're so connected to the beauty basically in front of us. And it takes us away from many other things that could pull us, you know, in various directions, past and future. And I think that um, what you shared about a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, these are simple things that you can go to as individuals to try to bring more mindfulness into your life. So I love these, these ideas and these thoughts about the banana, you know, and little things that we can do to offer that monkey mind uh, an opportunity to settle down and be specifically available for this particular moment that we're in. And as you and I know, this right here together is the only moment that we have. This is the moment. And I'm sure we're both enjoying it in a very mindful way. So I wonder if uh, when you talked about children and how our children are already more mindful than us, and it made me think about how we tend to teach our children ways to take their mind in different directions. So we as a society have created this uh, situation where our children are learning techniques such as us, where they live in the past or they live in the future. How can we avoid teaching our children to, to do that, to taint them? How can we avoid tainting them 
with the way in which many of us adults have lived and help them to just stay on that path of mindfulness that they're born into this world with. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, as Dr. Shafali said, they know um, how to do this without us interfering. But um, when, um, as you said, when they grow and they become uh, kind of tainted with the society and the you know, rat race out there. So it is really our job to usher them, first of all, to usher ourselves because the best way is to role model. So, for example, when my child is having big emotions at that time, and if I want to use my mindfulness muscle at that time, I should become aware uh, because of science, right, that my, my mind is actually... Um, creating these thoughts for me to get triggered and react in the situation uh, with, with fear, right? So that's how um, we become aware of these thoughts. Okay, you know, I feel guilty. I need to save her. I'm, I'm a bad mom. What's going on? Um, there are so many bad things out there. Um, so all these thoughts um, make us uh, make rash decisions and uh, try to save, fix, lecture, try to console so much and try to, um, you know, um, uh, save them from the, their feelings. So one of the best things we can do when our children are having um, difficult emotions or heavy emotions, really be there for them and create the space and really not want to give solutions and fix everything right at that time. So uh, going back to just observing. So in that moment when the child is throwing a tantrum, even when a child is rude, we just, um, you know, like teenagers, they, don't, they slam the door or they say, they say bad words. So when we fully just observe non-judgmental acceptance of the present moment, that's the definition of mindfulness, right? So when we have that and we just observe what's going on, we just in, without thinking, just dismantle the thought, just observe. Because when we experience we don't we don't think we're just observing so we dismantle we are aware that i'm thinking something oh she's so rude oh i'm a bad mom i didn't teach well oh blah 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 oh she's gonna turn out to be a bully she's gonna be so irresponsible all these thoughts that we have we just dismantle them and then just observe and then just you know connect with ourselves if we have any big feelings ourselves just allow for the feelings to come, come up. I, I usually say, just say, I feel, put your hands on your heart and say, I feel frustrated and really feel the feeling. By just feeling and experiencing the moment, we dismantle these thoughts that are, you know, just illusions or false stories in our head. So we become authentic. That's what, when we, when we talk about authenticity, we become authentic and we can connect to our inner wisdom, inner guru to know what to say at that time. Maybe we just don't say anything or maybe later we bring it up. But the child will see how we are interacting with this moment. And um, believe you me, they know they're doing uh, the quote-unquote wrong thing by slamming the door. They know that. But they just, um, you know, they don't know anything else. They don't know how to, to deal with their emotions. They don't have the capacity to regulate their emotions and think with their own thoughts. We don't even do how, know how to do that most of the time. But we're expecting them to do that. So this is part of science to know that behavior is just a form of communication, right? So they're communicating that they are frustrated and they don't know what, what they want and they don't know how to deal with their emotions. So we, by allowing that space for ourselves and really attending to our own feelings and then just 
uh, be, um, you know, um, live in this equanimity and this non-judgmental, you know, acceptance of the moment and articulate our words in such a way, even either then or later, our children will learn how to be okay with themselves as well. So we are kind of giving the antidote to whatever is going on outside. I always say, do not be afraid of the school system or the society. And they're not our favorite, I'm sure. But, you know, we are, you don't have to be afraid of them because we have the antidote inside the house. And what's that? That's what's, what counts. Mm. So we are um, allowing that um, authenticity and that um, being okay with whatever comes up. So we are telling them, you're not bad to feel mad. You're not bad to feel sad. So this will um, cultivate that feeling of being good enough, even if I'm, not, I'm having bad, bad feelings, you know, uh, heavy feelings, heavy emotions at this time. And, and that is, you know, those are such important uh, tips for all of our listeners. And I think it starts with you, the listener, it starts with you. You have to feel good about yourself first in order to create the space to accept those around you and create the space for your kids to accept themselves as well. So what, what great insight, wisdom, and information that you have shared with us. I'm so happy to be able to offer this to all of our listeners so that they too can connect with themselves in a heart space as well as science-based way. And also focus on how they can take small steps to live more presently, more mindfully in this particular moment by the beautiful things that you have shared with us today. Ray, is there uh, any place that our listeners could actually find you that you could share with us? Sure. My website is draraya.com, D-R-A-Y-E-H.com. You can find uh, me at Dr. Araya at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all over the place. (laughs) YouTube. Beautiful. She's everywhere. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me and for bringing your wisdom to life. I greatly appreciate it. And to all of our listeners, remember, every moment is a new moment for conscious connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.